Hey, my name is David Vaughn. Welcome in the room. Welcome online. I know some of y'all, a little extra coffee today. You were down there at Garth Brooks. I know. Stayed out till like three o'clock in the morning. I don't know, but we're glad you're here. We're doing this series and talking about generosity and what a generous God that we serve. And I want to read you an email. Hey, I got to tell you something. I've been teaching on giving for like a long time. And you know, I said I might get a few emails on giving, you know, that were negative. I got to tell you something. I got zero emails the last couple weeks, negative emails on giving, zero. (laughs) JT got 89, but anyway, I, uh, no, 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 he didn't. I think that's due to two things. Number one, people said Vaughn's gone. You know, why email him? He, he doesn't do it good. I do think the deeper reason, though, is that people are getting used to the fact that this stuff works. I'm doing something for you, not something from you. I want It's something for you. I got this email from some friends, Dave and Pam. Here's a portion of their email that I, I, they sent me after t- a message two weeks ago. David, I want to thank you for your message this morning. No, it's tough to talk about money to the church body, but I believe you delivered the message like God wanted, straightforward, simple to understand. That's always my prayer. Here's what I love. I totally believe in your point, actually God's point about giving. I can tell you we have, I can tell you that we have tithed more than 10% since we were young and in our early 20s. And if I tried to explain in this email how God has blessed our family through giving, it would be the size of a book. So I won't. We have great memories of God's blessing, great memories of God's blessing. So I'm telling you, don't just believe me. Don't believe just God's word. Believe the word of people. So JT and I are excited about doing this and talking about this because we're finding it's making a huge difference in people's life. We have talked about the last couple weeks, the why of generosity. And today I want to move towards some very practical hows for generosity. How do you do that? And I just tell them, I'm just telling you, trust me, you may be online first time, maybe in the room first time. These principles work, just test me, try me. These principles work whether you believe in Jesus, whether you believe in the Bible, whether you believe in this generosity stuff, just try it. So today's message I've entitled, All About the Numbers. Today is all about the numbers. Now, numbers sometimes matter, but sometimes numbers don't matter. But sometimes they do matter. I mean, just ask the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, Numbers matter right now. They're they're trying to figure it out. They rise and fall by the numbers. There's even a book in the Bible called Numbers. So today I'm going to do something radically different. I'm going to let you decide how the message is preached. It's a little different. I'm going to let you decide how my sermon is delivered, what, what points I make within the sermon, and when I make them. Oh, it's an adventure. You know, we did it for a service. I think it turned out pretty good. Our director of stewardship and finance, Beth Maxey, who, by the way, is doing an outstanding job, outstanding job, Beth is, in helping us in our generosity. She's going to be out in the audience here in just a few minutes with a bag full of numbers on index cards. And she's going to be walking through the crowd during the message part today, and she's going to recruit a volunteer to reach in the bag, pick a number, and then say what that number is into the microphone. I'm then going to pivot up here on the spot and teach or comment on that particular number of generosity. I have no idea which number it will be that I'll talk on. Some of them are short, some of them are long. It's going to be up to you and God. Congratulations, you always wanted to deliver a sermon. Today is your day. 
should be fun. So if you are willing today and you would raise your hand, I think Beth is out here in the audience somewhere. My friend Laura is back there to give me a little walking beat music while we're doing it. Oh, me. All right, so Beth's going to be out here in the audience. Raise your hand. Now, this is not split the pot. And she did not raise her hand. She I know some of y'all are west side, split the pot. Okay, go ahead, Beth. Give, give me the number. We'll see how it goes this particular service. 500,000 plus. What is it? 500,000 500,000 is the number. Wow, nothing like starting big. Let me go all the way to the end of my notes. 500,000. You might want well to guess what that is. That's my annual salary. No. <laughs> So I said, why are we doing this offering thing if you're making, I'm, trust me, <laughs> it's not. I'm a TV preacher, but not that kind of TV preacher. 500,000, let me tell you what that is. It's a great number. This is the amount of money that we have given away as a church to causes, missions, and people in our community and around the world in the last year. Let me, let me break it down to you. I'm, amen. <laughs> this is what I'm aware of. This is what I'm aware of. There's lots I'm not aware of. 9,000 was given to the Reach Out Pregnancy Center through baby bottle donations. We're big on Reach Out Pregnancy Center. $15,000 was given for Ukrainian relief on Easter. Our goal was 5,000. I thought that was great. 20,000 has been given to AIM, which is our global partner of rescuing and restoring survivors of trafficking and preventing sexual slavery. $20,000 for that. Thousands, I, I can't even add up the amount of money we've invested in for our schools. We are believers in all the school systems and administrators and teachers and students. More than $150,000 was given last year to global missions partners from our church. And we had a little ministry that was going in Price Hill called Weightless Anchor. Andrew's here. That's our local partner, really an anchor of hope, helping women on, serving, uh, uh, women who serve on the streets in ways that you can't imagine, struggling with addiction, recovering from sex trafficking. We had a goal. JT said, hey, I think we got a goal. I, I said, what's your goal? He said, $5,000. He said, would that be a good goal? I said, yeah. We gave $162,000. Awesome. Just Awesome. And the amount provided last year alone by just the Life Center for crisis and financial relief in our community, 175,000 from just our Life Center, which is a center of hope. Each week at the center, and by the way, today, today is open house. I think there's barbecue right after. I, 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 I might, that's a whole nother number I'm gonna talk about in a minute. But they're serving barbecue today. It's from 10 to 1 p.m. back there. Tours are available today because this is the fifth anniversary of the Life Center. And so I want to tell you what the Life Center has been doing. Each week at that center, 40 to 50 overwhelmed, in-need families in a season of shortage are getting help and hope through food, financial assistance, prayer, celebrate recovery, mentoring. They sign up for courses. They do online education. Guests develop this plan for short-term and long-term solutions to get out of the cycle of poverty. Anybody here, here's another number for you. It's not on, in the bag. Anybody want to guess the amount of pounds of food that our food pantry gave out through the Life Center last year. You might want to gather a guess. How many pounds? 156,127 pounds. <laughs> Lovingly received, organized, distributed by this army of hope. I want to know who's counting that stuff. That, that's like, 
That's impressive that we even know what went out. So Life Center, open house today, get back there, check out what God is doing. It's amazing stuff. And don't forget about the Hope Open. JT Kelly, Don and I, we're going to be on the golf course. Ask us. We need some more golfers. We need some more sponsors. All the proceeds go into, that's a whole other score we could put out. What do you think people are going to shoot? Anyway, hope open. Registration is still open. This is open to all ages and stages of golfers, good, bad. We want young people. We want, old, we want not so younger people. <clears throat> we want everybody. So I could just go on and on about the hundreds of thousands of dollars that this church generates because we are a generous church and we serve a generous God. But it, the main point is just to share with you that we practice what we preach around here. We, we give money away. We save some money. We pay down our mortgage debt with some and we live at or below our budget. And when giving goes down, we have to adjust our budget. That's just the, the, the way it is. And so every once in a while, I'll meet somebody and say, you know what? All the church asks for is money. And I can't wait. Now you know the facts. You should push back and say, well, you know, the reason that they encourage and invite generosity is so we can give it away. And here's what we gave away, just so you know. And I love to do that. And then I'll say, by the way, how much are you going to give today? <laughs> oh, it just shuts down the conversation. So 500000 that's a good number. I'm glad we started there. All right, Beth, what else you got? I need a volunteer. I don't know about this. I like this. the drum roll. That's I don't great. know about this drum roll. I, don't. I, think it's, I think it adds something. Does it add to the suspense? Okay. David, you don't have enough breath in your body to take care of this one. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't know if that's in my notes somewhere. I don't. 512. 512. This might be my favorite one of all. Thank you for picking it. 512, this stands for the five pounds, 12 ounces that our newest granddaughter weighed at birth two weeks ago. Oh. Tyler and Savannah, son Tyler, wife Savannah's baby is Juniper Rose. Here she is. They affectionately, we call her June Bug. Now I know I'm biased, but come on. Is that not like the cutest baby ever on the planet? Come on. Now, we do appreciate the extra prayers this week for Ty, Savannah, and Junebug. Junebug is currently in Children's Hospital, which we're so grateful for Children's Hospital. They're doing some testing to try to determine where some concerning infection is coming from. But she's doing really well. Her, her vitals are, are stable. She's taking IV antibiotics, and she's even gaining weight, which is ironic since I'm trying to lose weight. But... Uh, Anyway, thank you for celebrating with the Vaughns. We have another member of the Vaughn clan. She's a preemie. She's a couple weeks early, but she's picking up weight quick. But June bug, 512. Thank you for picking that. I'm excited about that. All right, next. <laughs> Who will it be? Who will it be? See, nobody's raising their hand. This Nobody, time. yeah, raise, raise your hand. Oh, they got some back in that section. <laughs> 130. 130. 130. This is how many generosity ladder books we have left. Next. That's it. <laughs> I, I, I told you some of them are short. <laughs> Don't you wish me and JT preach like that? That's, that's it. Next. 21. <laughs> that was a quick one. 21. <laughs> 
21, my age. No, thank you for picking that. This is the chapter reference for two verses in Proverbs that changed my life when I realized what they meant. From the wisest guy who ever lived, Solomon. Proverbs 21, verse 5. Let me give it to you. Here's the first one. The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. In other words, make a plan. The word for plan, by the way, is basically budget. The budget or the plans of the diligent lead to profit. But when you're quick, when you're hasty, it leads to poverty. See, a budget, I highly recommend everybody here in this room watching online get a budget. A budget is simply a plan or roadmap that informs and guides you on this financial journey and course. Budgeting sounds like it's onerous. It's not. It's a blessing. In fact, those that live on a budget will tell you, who form and live on a budget, they'll, they'll tell you, the budget changed my life. Surveys show that only, however beneficial it is, surveys have only shown that only 25% of Americans live on a budget. Did you know that? 25% live on a budget. 50% would like to, but don't. I guess the other 25% work for the government. Anyway, I... <laughs> oh, that's a whole nother sermon. Only 25% of Americans live on a budget. 25%. Guess how many... I'll throw another number for you. Guess how many millionaires live on a budget? What percent? 55%. Now, you would think the more money you have, you don't have to worry about money. Uh, maybe the reason that some of us don't have more is because we don't have the budget. So let's move that percent up. Let's move that number up. The plans of the diligent lead to poverty. As surely as, the plans of the diligent lead to profit. As surely as haste leads to poverty. Man, what, what, what a good thing. Here's the other verse from cha- that same chapter, chapter 21. Chapter 21 is a great book. Uh, of Proverbs. The wise store up choice food and olive oil. In other words, they prepare for a rainy day. They prepare for a pandemic. They prepare for a $7 gas. They prepare for inevitable inflation. But fools gulp theirs down. In other words, they're into consuming. How many people you know that don't spend today's money today? They spend tomorrow's money today. They, they, they don't only live at their budget, they live way beyond their budget. See, here's what I've noticed about giving. This is why it's changed my life. The problem is not how much you make. It's how much you spend. It's not, it's people say, well, I just, well you got to have a, some kind of salary coming in. You got to have some kind of pay coming in. But people say, oh, if I just had that amount of money, all my financial problems would be up. Mm-mm. I know people in this church who make $25,000 a year who are debt-free. And I know some people who are multimillionaires who are on the brink of bankruptcy because of credit, because of debt, because they spent more than they are taking in. So when your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep will be your downfall. That's the principle. And while I'm here in Proverbs, let me just go back a couple other chapters here since I'm here. Proverbs is such a great financial wisdom book. Proverbs 11, let me read this to you, verse 24. I showed you from 21. Now listen to this. Some of you wonder, well, why are you talking about being generous? Here's why. Solomon says it. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. In other words, one person is generous and they still get more. How can that be? I don't know. That's just the way God's economic system works. 
Another withholds unduly. In other words, they clutch, they cling to their money, but comes to poverty. A generous person will what? Prosper. Whoever refreshes or is generous to others will be refreshed. This is the promise of God, friend. A generous person, a generous person. When you decide you're going to be a giver and not just a taker, you will prosper. So chapter 21, thank you for bringing that up. And chapter 11, in fact, the whole book of Proverbs is a primer on how to, how to save, how to give, how to invest, how to manage your money. So that's number, generosity number 21. I see Beth's going toward the middle of the room. She don't want to leave you out. Give me a good number this time. I'm 27. 27. Thank you for asking this. Some in the Tizovich clan will like this. This is the average temperature, last time I checked, on Mount Everest, where JT, Joe Porter, and some other leaders are hiking right now on the way to base camp. They're trekking to raise $500,000 to plant churches with people who are sponsoring them. And we have a little short update video from JT. Would, would you like to see it? Check this out. Check this out. Hey everybody, it is so good to be able to communicate with you this morning. I hope you're doing well. I'm in Manja, just above 10,000 feet in the Himalayas. And I just want to check in and say hi. Uh, we're doing great, our team's doing great, everybody's healthy, uh, I miss you, I want to thank you for your support, your prayers as a team, we're so close to our goal of half a million dollars to plant new churches, to care for kids and families living around the world in poverty, and we need to care for them and love on them, and I'm so grateful that we are on this journey and mission together as a bunch of misfits, so I love you, I will see you soon, Joe and I uh, are healthy, and we'll be back soon, thanks for your prayers. All right. Now, I got a text a few minutes before the service. JC said, keep praying. I think as they crossed the 12,000-foot threshold, he was experiencing some nausea. And uh, I visited with Kelly right before said, I think that's abating some. So keep that prayer. And I, I know you all are praying, but let me tell you who's really praying. Me. <laughs> we ain't doing this again. I got the successor. No, I'm not coming back for plan B. There is no plan B. I'm not starting succession argument, so you better pray. Don and I, we, we like see the end in sight for our next chapter. JT cannot mess that up. Anyway, 27, and we're praying for them. And man, I'm proud of those leaders hiking up to base camp. You know, I'm glad they're not going to the summit. That's where stuff happens. But anyway, base camp. And you'll be hearing more about, about that too. Good number. All right, Beth, in the back. All right, the next number, 10, 20, 70. I love that. That's my favorite number of budgeting. Now, some of y'all who have been here, some of you are new, don't know this. Some of you have been here for 20 years and listened to these sermons. This is my formula, the budgeting formula that I've taught here for two decades. It's the way to budget your money appropriately. I have vetted and ran this formula by every 
financial planner on the planet, and every single one said, Vaughn, if people did this, this is like genius. If It always works. I've never seen it fail. They think it's good. I think it comes from the Bible. I think God gave it to my dad, who then passed it on to me. Now I pass it on to you. 10, 20, 70. These are the percentage of how your money is allocated once you figure out how much money you have coming in. 10, guess what that is? That's a tie. That's given off the top. Just like we talked about with the email earlier. This is what that is. 20 stands for saving. And the 20 is divided in half. 10% long-term, 10% short-term. 10% long-term. 401k, 403b, whatever it is. Invest. Figure out how about 10% of my income is going to go for long-term, never to be touched unless it's just an absolute dire emergency. And I was talking to some of our younger people. Because for the older people right now, the stock market is not much fun. But when you're younger, if you would start investing right now in the stock market, especially while there's a dip, buy the dip. If you would do that every day for the next 20, 30 years, you would retire a multimillionaire. If you invest shrewdly, 10% long-term. The other 10 is short-term. This is money. It's kind of like a little uh, rainy day fund. It's the it's a stash of cash where if you have a flat tire, you can not have to borrow or charge it on your credit card. If your refrigerator breaks, you got a little bit of money. It's a rainy day fund. Always live below your income. That leads me to the 70%, 10, 20, 70. 70 is the percent of your income you're going to actually live on. Isn't this a thought? We live below what we take in. If you will do this, you will have financial peace. You'll save for the long haul. You'll give to God. He'll honor it. I've never seen it fail. But it all has to do with budgeting. Again, I want something for you, friend, not from you. I, I've lived where you go paycheck to paycheck, and you can't afford to buy baby formula. The first credit card I ever bought was so I could buy Similac for my little girl, Amanda. That's where I started, friend. I know what it's like. I'm a huge fan of Financial Peace University and every dollar budgeting app they have. In fact, I think we have a picture. I recommend everybody, if you're struggling, this electronic app, and, you know, we got an app for that. Look at the header. Tell your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Ramsey Solutions, download the every dollar budgeting app. It'll get you going. Okay, so that's 10, 20, 70. I've done whole sermons on just the 10, 20, 70. Uh, I don't have, that's all I got to say about that. It's like Forrest Gump. All right, next. We have some of our younger audience helping us. 67. 67. Where, where are you at? I, I'm like, I, it's a I'm little sorry. voice. There, there you go. Back. There you go. It was a little voice. I love that. I love it. What was the number? 67. 67. All right. If you have been here, I'm going to see if you've been paying attention. If you were here the last two weeks, this is the percent of people in our church who what? Give zero. It is staggering. Look how much we're doing with just the minority. So we are looking for that number to come down. Beth, do you even know the number now after the last couple of weeks? Yeah, we're at 61%. 61% now. See, the sermon is evolving even as I preach it right here, going from 67 to 61. I'm expecting that number after this service to be 51%. Anyway, I... I Look at that. You're already bringing that needle down. I'm so proud of you. L never let it be said that two-thirds of this church gives zero ever again. I told you I'd lost some sleep about that number. And some of the positive emails I got 
were about that. In fact, let me tell you what my friend Bill uh, wrote to me. And he put something together I hadn't really thought about before. Maybe this will help you. He said, I have something to say about what keeps you up at night. We never had much growing up as my dad spent a lot of money on alcohol and cigarettes. Some of y'all were like that. But the roof didn't leak, at least not in my room, and spam and potatoes I actually like. (laughs) However, I received my degree in economics and decided to embark on creating wealth that my family never had. That was his driver. I discovered that in America, time and money are related. I can spend my money making time or my time making money. I've seen my time being more valuable than the money. What I invest my time in is what's near to my heart. I've seen that my money then gets invested in where my time is invested. All this to say, he said, that my Christian service in kingdom building pursuits, time spent in the word, time in and out of Whitewater's four walls, building up my wife, family, friends, and missions is what's driving my giving. What he's saying is involvement equals investment. That's why Christian service is so important to me, Bill writes. It keeps me outward focused, which keeps my inward carnal nature in check, and it drives everything in Christ Jesus. Imagine, he says, if everyone sacrificially gave at least 10% of not only their money, but 10% of their time and 10% of their God-given talents and abilities to kingdom-building pursuits, what would that do to a broken world? Constantly explaining, pushing, equipping, and connecting people to Christian service is what drove me up the generosity ladder. I love that. So if you want your generosity factor to go up, according to Bill, and I think there's some truth in that, not only be generous with your your treasure, but with your time and your talent where your heart is, right? That's where your money will flow, where your heart is. And your time, by the way, time is the most important commodity on planet Earth. You're aware of this, right? You can always make more money. You can never make more time. So invest your time wisely. But I, I love that coupling there. So that is, a, that, that is pretty good. That, that, that's a pretty good number. And that's the number I no longer, now that it's 61, I'll sleep better tonight. I won't wake up but once maybe. All right, good. Good number. All right, Beth, still back there. Thank you, Laura. I think Laura's getting tired back there. I don't... Number one. Number one from Mr. Dorico. Thank you, Jeff. Number one. That's who we think we are. That number stands for the one that we give for. Generosity at its essence is all about the one who's generous. It's all about the one above and it's all about the one below. The one. We give so the one on earth can be found. The one. Who who is your one? Some of you are here because Jesus said you are the one worth dying for. But it's all about giving glory to him. He owns it all. We own nothing. We're just stewards, right? So the sooner you figure out, I'm not taking it with me. It's about him. I want to bring glory to him. I'm giving back to him. You know, (laughs) you're going to find out quickly as you get a little older like I am that what you think you have is not really yours. You have no control really over the breath in your body the money in your wallet, the time left, man, lean into God because there's a whole eternity out there where there's a different value system involved. Time will be no more. Money will not be needed. I can eat anything I want to eat, praise God, with my new body. But it's all about the one. All right, next. (laughs) 
looking in that bag. What is it? 45. 45. This is my favorite generosity story of the week. It involves one self-absorbed lady. And this 45 is the delay in minutes caused by that woman. A few weeks ago, I was on a return flight to Cincinnati from LaGuardia. I'd been out coaching some pastors on what was already going to be a late landing at CVG, and the takeoff was delayed an extra 45 minutes because of one woman unwilling to move from her first-class front-row seat so the flight attendant could occupy it during takeoff due to hers being broken by the door of the plane. I didn't know that, according to FAA rules, if the, if the flight attendant is not in a front row, they, they can't go. This lady refused to move. She was animate about remaining seated beside her husband, even during takeoff. An offer of $300 would not get her to move. Neither were repeated attempts by the flight attendant to persuade her to move. Even people in the back of the plane in economy in steerage where I was, even they could not convince her to move. Someone yelled out from behind me, and called her princess. <laughs> Things were getting out of control. I said, I'm going to have to intervene. This is going to be a plain riot right here. I watched and listened as the rest of the passengers being held hostage by this unnecessary delay started to lose further patience. We're now very late. People started to yell things at the couple. Finally, to the applause of the plane, another first-class couple offered to switch seats, split up during takeoff landing, so... The pampered princess and her husband could sit together, and then when this was seen, man, people were applauding. I don't think that lady attended at Whitewater Crossing. I, I, I don't think. If it would, I would have gone right up there and had a little, little preaching time. Anyway, when that plane finally landed in Cincinnati, I got off that plane as quickly as I could because I didn't want to be around should there be additional confrontations between the princess and the other passengers during the deplaning process. However, I did reflect on that on my way back to my car, and as I drove home, I thought to myself, such a small thing that could have and should have been done by that woman to bless and benefit so many people, but instead she was greedy, she was selfish, she was recalcitrant, and she was a pampered princess. And so I hope she finds Jesus soon. Anyway, <laughs> that's my story, 45. That was pretty good. All right, give me another one. Y'all are preaching such a good sermon today. Well done. Uh-oh, front row. <clears throat> 20. 20. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for drawing that. This is how many years consecutively I've done a series on generosity and money. You know, how many things can you say about money that you haven't said in 20 years? This is also, by the way, the number of years that Donna and I will have been here in Cincinnati serving this wonderful church, 20 years. And uh, you're going to hear over the next few weeks, man, don't miss any of these services coming up. June 19th is, you've seen it advertised, is kind of my last official uh, Sunday uh, as the lead guy. And somebody asked, why June 19th? I know that is Father. June 19th is the exact 20-year anniversary of when we arrived in Cincinnati, 20 years. It's the exact number. So it's going to be fun. I hear June 12th, we're going to mix it up a little bit and show kind of a succession documentary that we've been working on. Man, 
Just don't miss June, the whole month. And I'm just telling you, 20 years like that, y'all. But I'm so proud of you. And I'm so proud of this church because it's never been about me. It's never been about JT. It's always been about Jesus. May that continue another 20 years. All right? That's 20. All right. Give me another one. Man, we're going through here pretty good. All right, another little here. 80. 80. Thank you. You said that so well. According to financial experts, 80. This is the percentage of Americans in debt right now, some significantly way over their head, 80. Now, there is good debt where equity increases versus bad debt. You could put it that way. But most, if not all, debt is bad, especially if it's a consumer debt. I remember, you know, my dad trying to teach me about the, the, the pitfalls of debt, and he used to say to me, Hey, David, debt is bad. It's like sin. Get out as quickly as you can. That's why God never wanted his people to be more than seven years in debt. That was kind of their target number. So appropriate short-term debt. But most debt today by people in this room and watching online is not that kind of debt. In fact, one report said that the amount of money, I don't know if you've heard this, the amount of money charged on credit cards last month was the highest amount charged for any one month period of time in history. Credit card debt is up $71 billion over the last 12 months. B, with a B, billion. And some of us are in that trap. So owing, owing money just seems to be kind of a way of normal way of life for Americans, for our government. Again, don't get me started on that. It's just kind of normal. Some of us grew up thinking it was normal. Could I tell you this? Be abnormal. You'll be more generous if you're out of debt. In fact, here's what Proverbs 22, 7 says. Check this out, Proverbs 22, 7. See if this is not true for your life. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is, what's the next word? Slave. Slave to the lender. The borrower is slave to the lender. Anybody who has high credit card debt, anybody who has any kind of debt where your creditors are calling and, and these collection companies are at your back, the borrower, you know that, that verse is so true. The borrower is slave to the lender. Don't be the slave. Be the one that, that lends. And I'm telling you, there's no, no pressure like financial pressure. That's why we want you to get out as quickly as possible. Uh, that's why we pray for you to be wise managers of your money. And I believe the reason some of us are not generous, as I said two weeks ago, it's not because we're stingy, it's because we're strapped. And God ain't pushing us like our other creditors are. And so therefore, we don't do it. So the bondage of debt, that's what 80% is. I don't want to be in the 80%. I want you to be lower. All right, have we got one or two left? There were two more. Two more, all right. See, you're making good time on your sermon here. All right. Zero. That's a big number. Zero. This is the number of issues discovered by our recent full financial audit. We've audited our processes before, but it's been a few years since we've audited. It takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of money. 
But our financial integrity matters. So our financial integrity with our books and our processes in this last audit was fully verified with no material deficiencies found, including no fraud or nefarious, I love that word, no nefarious activities. So why is that good news? Because you can take great comfort in the fact that Whitewater does what we say we're going to do with our money. We protect it. We, where it goes where it says where it goes. We, we try to be above reproach on being a good steward of God's resources. So when you decide to invest and be generous with the church, you just know we got people in processes by the outside auditor that really dug deep to find out that that was the case. And we like zero. We don't like zero giving, but we like zero things discovered in an audit. So good. All right, last one, I think. Three, thank you, my buddy Jim, right down there on the front row. Three, uh, this is a great one. I, I can't believe you drew that. It's a perfect way to end. Three, I'm going to give you, as I close, three generosity or money hacks that have worked for me. I had this in my message two weeks ago, but we're already going on like two-hour sermons. So anyway, I, I didn't put it in there. They all start with T. Let me give them to you. It, I'm just telling you, young, old, re-old, whoever you are, Trust me on these three T's. They all start with T like tithing. That's not one of them, but here you go. Number one, trust God more than you trust yourself. Trust God more than you trust. This giving generosity issue, here's what it comes down to. Trust. Do I trust God or not? Do I take God at his word or not? Will I trust my ability or God's ability? Because God wants to bless you, he just asks you to trust him. So my friend Peggy Volter sent me a great picture this week of Jesus and a little girl. Check this out. Trust me, Jesus says, just trust me. But I love it, God. She wants to hold on to her little teddy bear, not knowing there's a big bear waiting to be given. God wants to bless you more than your ability to trust him is for a lot of us. Is Proverbs 3, 9 true or not? You just have to decide. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, your vats will brim over with new wine. I've said it for 20 years, you cannot outgive God. Friend, I can't explain it. You just, you'll know it when you do it. I can have people talk. I can give testimonies. I can read emails. I can tell stories. I can tell jokes. Until you try it, you won't know what I'm saying is true. This is true. But I've said it for 20 years. You shovel it out. God shovels it in. He's got a bigger shovel. That's just the way it is. And so trust God more than you trust yourself. If you delay generosity until you think you've got enough to start giving, it's likely never to happen. I mean, did you delay? Think about it now, some of us who are older. Did you delay getting married until you saved up enough to get married? Some of would never be married. How about having kids? Did you wait till you had enough money before you start having kids? You still don't have enough in the bank to cover their costs. 
As one of my mentors used to say to me on taking risk and moving forward with prudent, faithful risk, he said, Vaughn, if you wait till all the lights are green to go downtown, you ain't never going downtown. Move and God will change the lights for you. That's 90-day generosity challenge. You'll hear about it later this fall. It's a way where we provide as a church, it's worked so well for us in the past, where a safety net is provided in order for you to start trusting God. So when that comes out this fall, man, pay attention to that. So trust God. First T, first generosity, a hack and advice. Trust God more than trust. Number two, take small steps. Start giving immediately, but then increase giving incrementally and intentionally. And over time, as God blesses and he's proven to be reliable, move up a rung or a step on that generosity ladder. If you get a raise that you weren't expecting, bump up your giving by another 1%. But start somewhere. I'm so pleased to tell you that people are starting. That's why that number is going down from 67%. I was told by our financial team, Beth and our team, Kim, that this last week, we got a first-time giver who gave $1 to get started. Don't you not think that's the best ever? $1. Don't know who it was. Don't know the age. But they've decided, I'm going to start somewhere. That's what I'm saying to you. If you get an unexpected tax refund, use that to bump up. <laughs> I have a golf buddy. He's a pretty good friend. I have a golf buddy who told me recently that he won a ton of money at the casino a while back. And one of the first questions he asked himself at the table, the casino table, was this, should I give some of this back to God? You know what I said? Yes, it's been in the devil's hands long enough. It's time to come back. <laughs> and here's what I know about this guy that I consider a good friend. I'm proud of him for asking that question at the table because there was a day when that would have been the last question he asked. It's the first question he asked now. So take small steps and it'll lead to big steps. It's important for you to set giving goals like anything in life. The journey of generosity consists of this slow and steady process and it gets easier over time. The important thing is what I'm saying today. The important thing is to take the first step no matter how small it may be. And I found the easiest way to take these steps, the way that I, Donna and I, I think really revolutionized our giving is we automated the important. So you need to sign up for electronic recurring giving. You can give every week in the box, which we love, but give on the Whitewater app on our website. Automate the important. You already pay all your other bills electronic. It just automatically comes out, and you will find out that you don't miss it. You'll find out that God blesses in spite of it. Trust God more than you trust yourself. Take small steps. Number three, thank God regularly, and your generosity factor in your life will go up. There's something about gratitude, having an attitude of gratitude that informs and multiplies generosity in your body, in your wallet, in your heart, in your mind. I can't explain it. But when you are filled with thanksgiving and gratitude, good stuff starts to happen. God works in ways to bless you even more. So here's what it looks like on a practical level. Instead of complaining, anybody in here a complainer? Anybody here always find the negative? I've, I've seen some people, they, they, they find an, a, a problem in every opportunity. And then there's other people who find an opportunity in every problem. So here's a thought. Instead of complaining about what you don't have, start to thank God for what you do have. 
It's a lot more than what you think. Instead of grumbling when others around you are blessed, start celebrating with others. When your cousin gets that raise that you wanted, congratulate him. When, if you're single and your best friend marries somebody way over their head, just like my wife Donna, I mean, I did, you smile, you praise God, generosity flourishes in an environment of thankfulness and gratefulness. There is a reason that the root word of miserable is miser. Because more, when you, we are less thankful, we clutch. When we become more thankful, we become more generous. So trust God. That's my three hacks. That's the number three. Last one, trust God. Take small steps. Thank God regularly. Hey, man, y'all preached a good sermon today. I'm telling you, yeah, you did pretty well. I'll... Uh, Largest sermon ever prepared and delivered. Because sometimes numbers matter. You know, I was thinking the other day, these days I'm all about chasing a number. Anybody here in this season, stage, and age, you're chasing a number? I'm chasing a number of, to try to get to on weight. I'm, I'm chasing a number on the golf course that I want to make sure my handicap is at. I'm chasing a number for like trying to calculate finances like for my next life, for my next chapter for Don and I as we coach pastors and wives. What is it that financially I can live on and, and then continue to be generous and give the rest away? I, I'm, I'm all about chasing these numbers. Now, some of those numbers matter, but you know what? At the end of the day, the only number that matters is the number one. It's the one we talked about. It's the one God who for so loved the world gave his only begotten son that whosoever, that one, believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's the one that's lost that is now found. It's the one that's getting ready to go all in some week here soon, some day here soon. It's the one who will trust God for that one dollar. And at the end of the day, the number you ought to chase is that one. That's the one I've been trying to keep my faith and focus on because I can only control what I can control. So whether it's my granddaughter, whether it's my future, it's not really retirement, I call it refirement. Whether it's my golf score or how much I weigh trying to swing that golf club at the end of the day, friend, I got to control only what I can control. And I tell you what, I can decide to be generous and then leave the rest of the numbers up to God.